0: chapter twenty-nine. If you're struggling to find it, it is before two Chronicles chapter one, uh, or page four hundred and thirty-three. Now we'll read one Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, verse one to twenty. Beginning at verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise stones of various colours, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion of the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. Three thousand talents of gold, gold of a fear, and seven thousand talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings. For the gold work and the silver work and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the lord today then the leaders of the families the officers of the tribes of israel the commanders of the thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly they gave toward the work of the temple of god 5,000 talents and 10,000 daricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor and praise your glorious name. But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy How willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king.
1: Thanks, JP, uh, for reading that for us. Keep it open, I- if you would. And let me just add um, a couple of things as we begin. First of all, this little uh, booklet we've given you, uh, do, do make use of that. It, it's one thing, isn't it? We, we need to, every, every family has to talk about numbers and finances from time to time. But it's good to keep uh, other things in view. This little bit in here that tries to capture some of the things that go on around the church family Church family our side, you, you lose sight of different parts. I just find it really encouraging. 323 people in small groups, 75 small group leaders amongst our church family. First steps that you might not see uh, Wednesday and Friday mornings. I, I got the number wrong there. And Martha tells me who helps, one of the people that helps lead it along with Rachel and others. Actually, 90 families people are in contact with uh, through, through that. So do, do ha- have a look uh, those things as well. Can I also say, if you're visiting with us, this is a, a giving Sunday. If, if you are visiting, we really don't want you to feel in any way you're being asked to give. That is something for the church family. In many ways, we'd rather send you away with something rather than ask you uh, to give something. But it may be of interest to see how Christians think about giving. And that's what we're doing uh, this morning. We are at a moment, aren't we, with all sorts of financial questions going on in our country all sorts of advice being chipped in, all sorts of anxiety about what's going to happen. And here we are, we have about 20 minutes to let Almighty God capture our hearts with His gracious words about money. So with that, here's a question as we begin. What are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? I did some brief internet research. It's always easy to do. I typed in, what do British people love into the internet? Depressingly, one of the lists that came up had in their top ten these two things. Do you recognize what the, the one on the left is? Some of you know, don't you? Those who are younger, Nando's. And apparently, if you're under 25, you love Nando's. That's what they say. Almost everybody under 25 loves Nando's. If you don't know what Nando's is, good for you. Good for you. The one on the, the, the right-hand side is, is just trying to capture something else that apparently British people love, which is politeness. We say sorry with everything. And it, it, it seems that we use the word sorry to cover a range of things, everything from genuine apologies to, to passive aggressive, I'm about to move you out of the way, sorry. Uh, but we, we love a kind of polite feel. They're, they're the kind of things we love, we're sort of devoted to. On the other hand, It was not those. If you'd ask the residents of my house, what are you devoted to? For the past couple of months, the answer would probably have been the next episode of Rings of Power. Desperate for that every Friday. Maybe it's something else for you, The Capture, maybe one of those programs you can't wait for. But there'll be weightier things. What are you devoted to, really? If you were to ask the Old Testament king, David, He'll tell you straight. Verse 3 in our reading, he says, the temple of my God. And that devotion sparks an extraordinary giving day. The sheer quantity of the gifts, if you want an insight into those measurements, you might have it in the footnote in the Bible. But verse 4, 3,000 talents of gold, that's about 100 metric ton, tons. But it's not just the, the quantity of, It's the attitude of the giving. Did you hear verse 9 as as J.P. read it? It says this, The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly. This is giving that produces as much joy as it does finance. So I think for us as a church family, on, on this, what we set aside as a giving Sunday, good for us to learn from God's people of the past you like, counting just three things we're going to be thinking through this morning, what we're giving to, why we're giving, and how we should give. So here's the first thing. We give to the Lord's purposes in the world. Now, you've picked up that they're giving for the temple, but verse 9 nudges you Nudges that idea a little bit further forward when it says, they gave freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And it makes you think and pause and ask, look, what exactly is this temple? Is it just, was it just some kind of ancient version of the shard or the Burj Khalifa? The kind of building that any capital city's got to have in some way if it wants to be taken seriously on the world stage? Well, no, not so much. This temple that David's going to build with the people's help will be the visible representation of the Lord's purposes in the world. The splendor of the building, the location of the the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat where the blood of the sacrifice was sprinkled. The temple was meant to, if you like, convey God's glory, His majesty, communicate His gracious plans to save and call people to trust and worship Him. In other words, it's not just about bricks and mortar. It's about God and people. Giving to the temple was investing in the lives that God was coming to save. And I think when you begin to see that, it makes sense of what you read further on in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is referred to as the temple. He's the place where God conveys his glory, communicates his grace, calls people to worship and trust Him, and then no surprise as you as you keep reading further on, you find Christians who come to trust Jesus are joined to Him, the Church. Well, we are also described with Him as being the Temple, not bricks and mortar, but living stones, people. Uh, the Old Testament that David was giving to us about God's purposes for people in the world, and it was a picture of us today, the Church conveying God's glory communicating his grace that's what's going on with our kind of toddler groups first steps uh, on Wednesdays and Fridays in touch with those 90 families conveying God's glory communicating his grace graftees and pathfinders on Friday over 60 of you there hearing about God's glory learning of his grace that's what we are that's what we are as a church that's what we're giving to we give to the Lord's purposes in the world. Here's the second thing. We, we give because we depend on the Lord. Because it's a question I guess your, your friends might ask. People who are, who are not Christians who know you, they would, they would say to you things like this. Maybe if they're bold, they might ask it straight out. Why would you take your money and give it to church? Why are you giving to support mission partners like Margaret Regiera in Japan, uh, sharing the message of Jesus there. Or Matt Murray, who's helping to lead a church in France. Or so we can have Scott Bamber, our own Scott Bamber, leading and equipping our youth team. Why would you give your money to that? Or think of it this way. Why would you choose to live in a smaller house? Or drive an older car? Or take fewer holidays? Why might you choose not to get all the clothes that you really want to get or the latest game for the Nintendo Switch or whatever console you've got because you wanted to give some money into God's purposes? I mean, that's the thing for all of us. At some point, we've all got a limited amount. If you give some away, you've got less for yourself. Why do we give anything to God? It's what Bart Simpson gets at, isn't it, in that, episode of the, the Simpsons cartoon, if you've ever watched it. He's asked to thank God before a meal, and he prays like this. Dear God, we pay for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. I mean, that's the feeling, isn't it? But why should we, why should we give God anything? A number of years ago, I was on a guerrilla Christian panel up in Sheffield at Sheffield University, If you've never been to one or seen one, what what it is is there's a panel of Christians and the students can fire any questions they like. They're they're often great times. All sorts of conversations and debates come from it. The one I was on that year, there was a second-year student who asked a question like this. I've lived the past 20 years without any help from God. Why would I need him now? It was honest, if blunt, but it's getting at the same thing. Why should God get anything from me when I rarely seem to get anything from him? Remember a guy on the panel uh, answered like this. Look, imagine if there is a God who made everything. Well, that would mean that the food you love and the sports you enjoy and the sound of your friend's laughter and the color of your boyfriend's eyes and the latest beat of your heart All those things have been gifts from the God who made and sustains you. You've not lived the past 20 years without any help from him. You've lived every day depending on him, but never saying thank you. That's what David understands, isn't it? He speaks of God's sovereignty. Verse 11, do you have that there in front of you? He says this, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you. Andy Crouch, in his his wee book, The, The Life We're Looking For, has this reflection on money. He puts it like this. The distinctive thing that money allows us, its most seductive promise, is abundance without dependence. I've earned this. I've worked for this. I deserve this, and I've done it myself. But David won't join with that way of thinking. Not even with the vast wealth he's accumulated as king. And you hear what he says in verse 14. Who am I? Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we've given you only what comes from your hand. Is that not staggering? To hear words like that from a king? Someone who rules a nation? Not staggering to hear from anyone. Stop and think what well, that means. That, that means, look, think of it this way the size of your house, the value that it has, the money in your pension pot, or in your bank account, or in your piggy bank, or in your pocket right now. David's saying it is all there because God put it there. Now you say, don't you, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not quite right. Didn't I work hard for it? Of course you did. But where did your body and your health come from? Didn't I study for it? Of course you did. You went to uni, you worked hard, you did all those things, you had late nights. It was grueling at times, of course you did. But who gave you your mental capacity? Who gave you your place of birth so you were in a country where you could go through education like that? Who gave you all those things? Well, oh, hang on a second. Didn't my grandma send me that for my birthday? Is that not where it came from? Of course she did. But who put you in that family? Who gave you that grandma? David knows, doesn't he? Verse 14. Everything, everything comes from you. Verse 15, when David describes himself and his people as foreigners and strangers in your sight, our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. You don't think that was odd? Odd way to describe them. They're an established nation. They've got all sorts of commerce beginning to come and go now. What, What does he mean we're foreigners and strangers? Then you think of Ukrainian families coming to the UK hoping for a home or you you think of those sleeping rough who sometimes ask for a cup of tea dependent only on the goodwill of others. David's saying, that's us, Lord, in your world. That's what we're like. We all live dependent on what you give and our only hope in this passing life is that you might graciously draw us into your saving purposes before it's all gone. before we've lost everything. Do you feel that? Have you got that sense about your life that this is who you are, dependent on God? And if you do feel that, so of course we'd say we want to share in that. Of course we want others to know about it. Of course we want to give to it. We give because we're dependent on the Lord. So how do we approach a day like today, a day like this Giving Sunday? Well, Look, here's the last thing, briefly. We, we give praying for hearts devoted to the Lord. You've heard the needs, as Tarita put them before us. Um, it's looking like there's a much larger deficit than we were anticipating a couple of years ago as we were making our plans going forward. Perhaps not surprising, cost rising for everyone. And you could feel as you listen to that, look, as, as if we're saying, here's the bottom line, could you top it up? But but I don't want to think like that, and I don't want us as a church family to think in just in that kind of way. Whatever money we have, the PCC and FNS who think about these things will prayerfully consider how to use it wisely. What we want to be thinking is we understand God's purposes in the world. We have grasped that. And we as a church family have a vision to be involved in that, gathering for Sunday worship, welcoming those in their 20s and 30s at Tuesday Central, giving opportunities for people to hear about Jesus at at Roots of Jazz and Hope Explored and other things just in our conversations, supporting mission partners at home and abroad, sometimes in very... Places where it's difficult to talk about Jesus. Loving and discipling our children and young people as they grow up here. Reaching out to those who are elderly that live nearby, our neighbors in Stanton House and other places. What we're not doing is just trying to keep the lights on in this building. But as much as we can, we want to convey God's glory and communicate His grace to the people He wants to save. Being a church. God's temple for Cambridge and for the nations and on into the future. And we want to give to that out of what God gives to us. Now that could mean for some at the moment you really do have less to give. That's okay. Things like that happen in life. We know it. For others it might be you're you're new to Christian things. You're thinking about this and you're You've not started giving, but you're beginning to be captured by this vision and understand God's purposes, and you're going to start to give now and think about that. For others of us, we're maybe more established in this and it's time to review. We hear the needs, we see the vision we have, and we want to give to that in some way. So this little booklet, I hope it's helpful just to, to make us pause and think and pray and ask the Lord. And as you think, and maybe think about King David in this story we've read, the leader who, as you read it, seems to give more than any other single person. And you, you see what that puts before is you can't outgive God's King. And in a sense, you can't outjoy him. He's the one who's most joyful at this. But this passage says you, you can join in with him. And then you think who David points towards. In some ways, he points towards the Lord Jesus, who, for the building of his church, he joyfully gives more than anyone else. His own dear self on the cross to save us. And you realize you can't outgive God's King. And you can't outjoy him. But you can join him. I quote, I heard once, which I can't track down, so this is unattributed. But if you know where it comes from, please tell me because I think it's wonderful. And if I'm just making it up, I'd love to put my name to it because I think it is good, but I think I heard it from someone else. It's something like this Jesus Christ is gloriously happy in being generous. And when he asks you to give, it's not your money he wants, it's your joy. I remember two different Christian families I knew who were buying homes. And one said, we decided we'd only buy a home that would require one of us to work to pay the mortgage so that if there was a need at church and one of us could help by serving there, we could do that and we'd still be able to pay for the house. The other family said, we are trying to get the biggest house we can because we'd love to have a home where there's space for people from church who are in need, who could come and stay with us for a while and we could help look after them. On the surface, they look like completely different things, but they're both driven by the same devotion. What are you devoted to? On a day like today, Giving Sunday, there's no compulsion to give. There really isn't, please do hear that. And certainly not to give beyond the means God's provided for each of us. We know things are tight, but what there is always an encouragement to do as a church family is to rejoice in giving to the gracious plans of the Lord, uh, the gracious plans of the Lord with the means He has given us. And whatever we give, we give praying for hearts devoted to the Lord. And if we get that, we find this Old Testament king, David, prays for us. Have a look at what he says in verse 18, just as we finish. You hear this prayer? Verse 18. He prays like this. Lord, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Amen. Let's have a moment.